why, you know, I, I said earlier, the topic of the singing, why do we sing in church? Why is there so much singing? We are a singing people because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of it, compels us to sing. It's, it's what we do. You say, what? The gospel compels us to sing? Yeah, listen to this. In 1982, I served for a number of months on a, on a team which was assisting missionaries. Missionaries um, from a, a Norwegian Lutheran mission who were working to improve health conditions and especially to spread the good news, that's the gospel of Jesus, in a, a very poor region in the Andes of Peru. The mountainside farms there, little farms, were so steep you could fall out of them. And though everybody in that region could get by in Spanish, it was kind of a lingua franca, that was not their main language. It was Quechua, the language once, once spoken all throughout the Inca Empire. One night, while down there in South America and Peru, we went with one of the missionaries and his daughter in the mission van. We drove along these twisty mountain roads, and then he turned off the van's headlights, and we continued driving in the dark, slowly, uh, for about another half mile. He parked in some trees, and we got out very quietly without talking at all, and without a flashlight, walked along a path through a field. The moonlight was enough to see where we were going. We came to an adobe house, very plain building, looked just like any of the other buildings you might see out in the country there. One thing, though, that was different was that the windows were blacked out. Now, I can't remember what they had over them. Was it black cloth or boards or something? But uh, no light shone from that house at all. Outside there, it felt quite dark and remote. But when we went through the door inside, whoa, there had to be uh, more than 60 Quechua people, all wearing dark wool ponchos, either sitting on benches around the outside, but most of them were on the floor. One lamp lit the room. We took our place on the floor. I remember, <laughs> I remember that the whole place smelled sweetly of wet wool. Do you know this smell? It's vivid, vivid in my mind. From everybody's poncho sitting there, all crowded together. Where were we? A church service. Why the stealth and secrecy? Because people in the surrounding countryside and villages, including the local priest, were very unhappy about the existence of spirit-filled believers who did not go to the church in town. Not that much of anybody went to that church. Still, this assembly of saved-by-grace, Jesus-centered, Bible-believing Christians were disliked, even hated. In the past, their gatherings and worship services had been surrounded and attacked by rock-throwing mobs. It was dangerous to go to church. However, that night, once everybody got there, the worship started. How did it start? With singing. With singing. Everybody was singing to the Lord in Quechua. Now, if you think about it, that's just a bit remarkable. With all the danger and the efforts to not tip off the neighbors that a church service was happening, blackened out windows and everything, 
Yet there was still singing, plenty of singing. They were not sitting there quiet as mice. Why not? Because, frankly, when the grace of God, when the Spirit of God touches your heart, your fears shrink and your heart overflows. And the overflow from your heart, it makes it to your lips. It's what happens. God's love for us inspires our responsive love for him and calls forth songs. Songs of joy, songs of faith from our mouths. You can't stop it. We're compelled to sing. Compelled. Now, yeah, I know, that's a strong word, compelled. But it's the word Paul used when defending his reasons for being so passionate about presenting an unblemished gospel to the church in Corinth. For Christ's love compels us, he wrote in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live now should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and who was raised to life again. See, our motivation to sing comes from so much more than ourselves, from our likes, from our comfort levels, from our musical tastes and preferences. Now, intrinsically, it's driven by the one who died and was raised. It's driven by our heartfelt desire to convey good news, gospel truth, to those who already know it and need to be refreshed and renewed by it. Also to communicate it to those who don't yet know, but who might be drawn to Christ through seeing and hearing people who clearly mean it. Why? Because they sing about it. We are not compelled to sing out of thin air. Something, or rather someone, stirs us to this. God reveals himself to us. We get a glimpse of his glory, and it stirs us to worship. Worship comes as a response to revelation. That dynamic is not so hard to understand. You don't have to be in a church building to understand that we're wired. People are wired to respond to glorious stuff. You know, how many people remember when the USA beat Russia in Olympic hockey, the miracle on ice? People watching on TV cheered until they were hoarse. They responded. When you stand on the precipice of the Grand Canyon, your eyes feast on it. Your heart is moved by it. And if you're standing there with your family or somebody, you're not going to be silent. You say, wow. When we hear that a couple whom we love has become engaged, we exclaim our love out loud. My point is that praise is prompted by, it's compelled by, the revelation of something glorious. And the gospel is the revelation of the most glorious truth in history. There is a hymn I learned from the Methodists. I actually haven't laid this on you, Christine, but I will. Um, we, we, I've laid this one on over the years. A hymn called, And Can It Be? It has a, st I'm not, you know, I like to sing, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the words so they get out nice and clear. Stanza that I love. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in chains and nature's night. Thine eye, Lord, diffused a quickening ray. I woke, 
The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Such a profound thought. We sing because we're free. Jesus came so that we might know him, the truth. For the truth will set you free, he said in today's reading. We were slaves to sin. While we chose to sin, you could put it that way, but sin was also our master. But God's Son died for our sins and rose to give us new life. As Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. The Gospel declares, Romans 5 verse 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that now we know that, verse 9, since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? saying the, the gospel is a declaration of eternal freedom. It's a revelation that compels us to respond. And part of our response will be to sing. If this has touched our hearts, part of our response will be to sing. Listen to these words. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Wow. You just, you just put that one to music. It's amazing. Christ has broken every chain of sin that was tied around you that you couldn't even see until he opened your eyes to see those chains. The chains of pride and selfishness, of inordinate desires, and of broken relationships. All that broken now, shattered by his death, set us free. And you and I are not just freed from something, we're freed for something. To glorify him, to live the life God designed you to live. To know life in all its forever fullness, to live for that. I sing because I'm free to run from all that used to tear me apart and to run to all that now makes me whole. The scripture says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. If I know this is true of me, in my heart as well as my head, well, it opens my lips. That's what happens. But someone may be objecting, Pastor, Pastor, listen, can't I just be quietly, silently happy that I'm free? Are you silently happy? about other things? The truth is, if you delight in something, and I'm not talking only about God now, but about anything that you might delight in. If you enjoy something, if you love something, the truth is, you praise it. You're not silent. And the praise doesn't merely express your enjoyment. It does that, but it does more than that. The praise actually completes your enjoyment. Think about it. Is this not so? If there's something that has really given you joy, you tell somebody, and it's all the more happy for you because you got to tell them, right? 
Social media, it's filled with products, recipes, experiences, pictures, and ideas that we feel compelled to share with others. Look at this. This made me happy. You look at it too. When our kids were little and they'd paint pictures, we didn't like secretly hide them in a drawer. <laughs> oh, we must not see this. No, we put them up on the fridge with magnets for everybody to see and admire. I'm saying that it goes against the grain of how God created our humanity for us to keep quiet about what we're pleased with. And since God is most worthy of our praise above all other things, and since he is most deserving of our love above all other people, we will respond not only, not only by quietly believing in him, but by feeling that we can't help but praise him. It's got to come out. It's our joy to do so. It completes the joy we have. And singing is one of the greatest ways we have to do this, to com complete the enjoyment of all that God has done for us, and indeed to complete our joy just in who he is. Now let me add to this three more reasons for singing, for singing in church. First would be this, number one, singing takes Sunday's truth, or in your case, Saturday's truths, into Monday. The songs we sing on Sunday or Saturday night, they can provide the, they can provide the soundtrack for our week. It works, because actually singing out loud it files away the messages that those in those lyrics, and there's tremendous messages in those lyrics. It files those messages away into our hearts and minds when we actually sing them out loud. And when they're filed away, then you can draw on them. Christ-filled songs can support us when we lack courage and need to bolster our faith. They help us to remember Scripture. They keep uprooting the weeds of worry and of fear that tangle our feet and trip us up. Just think for a moment of all the things people use to distract themselves or to medicate themselves when they feel anxious or afraid. All kinds of things people use. It's a huge problem in our society. Have you tried singing? <laughs> I'm serious. Totally serious. Less looking at screens, which studies say depress you, much more singing. I wonder if this isn't a major factor in our society. You know, everywhere in the society, singing is way down. Watching screens is way up. Why don't we just turn that one around? Okay? Singing is transformative. It's a mood changer with few equals. You say, well, what would I sing? Well, a song or a hymn that you learned in church. Take Sunday into Monday. Take Saturday into Monday. Take songs of faith, songs of hope and love, songs about Jesus. Take them home and keep singing. Another reason to sing, number two, singing reminds you of what God has done in your life. So often we face present circumstances and they're daunting and we start sliding emotionally. Or we get freaked out thinking about the future because we've forgotten how faithful God has been in our past. Singing is a cure for that. In fact, the hymn we're going to sing right after this sermon, particularly great for this. This, this, we're going to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness. It is the pill. You, you sing that one. It, you will be, get better, okay? 
As you remember God's faithfulness in your past, so often etched in your heart through a song, you're inspired and you're equipped to face the ups and downs of the week and not face them alone. Reason to sing number three, singing keeps your mind on eternity. This is why you've got to have much more than pop music in your life. Now listen, I like pop music. I'm particularly fond of the Beatles. I'm a fan. But their music, for all I like it, it's useless for what my soul needs the most. They're, the Beatles songs only concern the short stretch of our life on this earth. This is the truth for every pop music group that I know. But we need to be, our singing to be filled with the unending story of the hope of heaven and its very real presence breaking in on us in our moments of everyday life. We, you know, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away in the morning when I die. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. We need songs like that. There's hymn songs, whatever, whatever melody you like, but we need to be singing about that. You're going to hear it nowhere else. Okay. So, I want to finish up this message by telling you about eating lamb. You know, like eating New Zealand spring lamb. Now, I hardly ever had it as a kid. My mom grew up eating lamb, and uh, she made it for us a couple of times. But my dad announced he didn't like lamb, and that kind of shut the whole thing down. So I'd hardly ever had it, and the times I did have it, it was served with mint sauce. I always told it you had to have roast lamb with mint sauce. These things have to go together. Anyway, on the basis of my limited experience, I felt that my father's judgment regarding eating lamb was justified. And then I married Carol. Exhibit A is sitting right there. <laughs> uh, as you know, I think, Carol's from England. And lamb is something they do there. And my wife is a really good cook, and she was going to get me to like it. The corner got turned the day she barbecued it, along, as I recall, with peppers and onions and uh, mushrooms on its skewers, okay? Uh, but, uh, but it got barbecued, like, like cooking a steak with salt and pepper, okay? And no mint sauce. I liked it. I also realized I hate mint sauce, but I like lamb. Carol did it all again another night. And I found, like it, I love this. Barbecued lamb, Greek salad, glass of red wine. Somehow my wife changed my palate forever. Here's my point. You need to grow in your appetite for good soul food. For congregational singing. How? This is how. You grow it through focus and by follow-up. When you're in church, you stand to sing. Consciously focus on what's going on so that your attention does not flicker. When we sing, it, you know, when we sing, it's not that God suddenly arrives. He's in all places at all times. He's never absent. He's never absent, but lots of times we are. You know, we've all found ourselves thinking about a work issue or mentally preparing a shopping list while everybody around us is singing. Don't do this. 
Ask God to help you focus. Think about the words that you're singing and the images that they're painting. Respond in prayer to lines that particularly strike you. I'll tell you, lots of times in the middle of a hymn or even in the middle of the liturgy, I, I will stop singing and add a quick prayer because the, the Spirit touched me from something in that hymn and I respond on the spot with a little prayer. And, and, then, I, and, I, find, and I keep singing from, from that point. Okay? Also, be mindful of those around you. Just enjoy being part of something bigger than yourself. Okay? Singing together. And make a note of any word or phrase you did not understand. Later, you can come and ask me about it. Or try Googling it when you get home. I, I remember last year, um, one of our members, um, you know, on Christmas time, we hear the word incarnation all the time. I, they'd been in church for years, didn't know what this word meant. Looked it up. Wow! Just revelation. How profound that is. Anyway, Pay attention to these words. Look them up if you don't know more. Ask me about it. And if you find your attention has, after all, flickered anyhow, don't give up. Refocus. Refocus. And then, once you are into your week, you're no longer in this building, you're into your week, follow up. How? By singing the songs you heard on Sunday. At least the ones you like the best. Remember them as you wake up in the morning. And this is not a lot easier now that we print the whole service out. You can keep this thing on your uh, bedstand. Get up? Oh, yeah. Okay? Sing the songs in the shower. I wouldn't take this into the shower unless we start laminating them or putting them on plastic. Still, you can sing them in the, in the car on the way to work. You can sing them, sing them in the evening. Replace some of that empty, not doing much for you screen time with a song or two. I am quite serious about this. It's going to bless you. It will be transformative. Sing to yourself what you sang on Sunday. For what you sing shapes your heart, your mind, and your soul. Sing the gospel truth. You are what you sing. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus for life everlasting. Amen.